Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. I know this uh, might come across weird. I know that school has only been out for like four weeks, and uh, the 4th of July was just last week. Uh, But it's occurred to me and been made known to me that school starts in two weeks. So... if, even if you're not in school, that probably depresses you, right? It's just, it's just a sad thing to hear. Uh, I wanted to let you know that. Uh, the good news is that we are we're ramping up toward the fall. Uh, and with that, uh, we, we've been mentioning it a little bit. Maybe you've been in and out on vacation and different things. Uh, but September 11th, we will be going uh, back to, to two services and offering two services again. And we're, we're excited about that. We uh, historically uh, had two services, and I don't have to tell you that the last two years have been crazy in, in every possible way. Uh, and so uh, we've been consolidated back into one. Uh, but September 11th, we're going uh, to two services. And that is good for those of you that have kids that go from one nap to two naps, back to one nap to two naps. So you keep adding kids, it's throwing your life off or you're doing club soccer and they have 8 a.m. Sunday games and you're like, I wish they had a 1045 service I could go to after that 8 a.m. soccer game. Good news. They will now. They will. So for all of these reasons, uh, we're excited just to, to offer two services and to open up seats. Uh, you, you can look around and, and say like, all right, yeah, there, there needs to be a few more uh, seats. And, and so we're excited to, to do that and be able to offer that to our families and to the community. Uh, and this is honestly something, if, if you've been hanging out, you've been around a uh, movement for a while, we, every so often we use the term all hands on deck. Uh, we, we know that to, to staff those services, to be able to serve, uh, it's going to take a, a lot of people. And so maybe you saw there's a board out in the lobby. Uh, you, can, you can scan a QR code. You can, you can sign up to serve. We don't think that that is a punishment. That is not something that we are trying to, to trick people into, okay? We believe that God has given us gifts, and we believe that serving God with our gifts is worship. Serving God with our gifts is how we can respond to Him, and so we're excited to offer that. You can serve in first impressions, you can serve with movement kids, uh, you can serve in, in worship and tech and, and different ways, and so I want to encourage you, if, if you're not currently serving, if maybe uh, you've gone away from that in just the last season, uh, I, I want to ask you to, to help us begin to, to go back to two services. If you, you're new here, you're looking for a way to connect, uh, that's one of the best ways that you can connect, to learn names and learn faces and serve in the trenches and serve alongside people. And so, uh, no guilt trip, but I, I want to just ask you if, if that's something that maybe has been on your heart or God's kind of uh, letting you know that now, would you please stop by that table? We've got a few weeks left to build those teams and we want to make sure uh, that we get everyone in a place where they can serve and where they can worship and where they can respond. So go ahead and check out that table or uh, scan the QR code in front of you there and it'll take you uh, to that. Trig mentioned that today is the, the final week of counterfeit Christianity. We've been going through the book of James all summer and uh, we, we said that uh, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, but at the same point, our faith should have action. Our faith should have something uh, that the world can look at and say, hey, there's something different about that person. I can see their faith. And so uh, this week, I, uh, I went back and I, I looked over the, the last ten weeks of this series and I, I just looked at some of the big ideas and honestly, as I read 
read them, they were just encouraging. And so I want to I wanna just read them for you, kind of a, a mental scrapbook here. Maybe you've been on vacation, so just pretend that you were here for all of these. I wasn't either, so don't feel too bad, okay? Right. Uh, but, but this is just cool to see uh, the narrative of the book of James and exactly what God is trying to tell us. So these are the weeks in order. These are the big ideas, things that we learned together this summer as a church. Here's the first one. Mature faith is grown in enduring trials and temptations. Your behavior should match your beliefs. Favoritism reveals our faithlessness. Faith is revealed in action. The tongue is a power that we need to be aware of. Wisdom lived out brings shalom. The solution to our internal and external conflict is humble repentance. A life built on Jesus is marked by humble obedience. Wealth will fail you. We must develop patience in suffering. And today, we want to jump in to the end of James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. And so if you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn there as we're going to be talking about the, the topic of prayer. It's on page 737, if you've got one of the Bibles that's under your seat there. Or again, it's James five thirteen to 20, if you're looking that up in your Bible or on your phone. I want to read it out loud, verse 13 to, to 18, so that we can see what God wants to show us this morning. It says this in verse 13 on page 737. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human, as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. A rhetorical question is a, a type of question that's, that's asked because it has an obvious answer. It's sometimes asked because you want to make a dramatic effect rather than actually getting the answer to that question. So if I were to ask you something like, hey, do you guys think my hair is falling out? You may say something like, is the Pope Catholic in return, right? That would be really mean. I wish you wouldn't have said that, but you did. But we'll get over it, okay? So uh, the, the Pope is obviously very Catholic, and so the answer to a rhetorical question is usually an obvious yes. And so James, as he's opening this passage of Scripture, opens with some rhetorical questions that are obviously yes, but he's just using that type of question to make his point. He says this, Are any of you suffering hardships? Now, hardship sounds pretty dramatic, but the, the verb here is actually translated as like hardships or distress, or you can even shorten distress to stress. So if I say, are any of you suffering stress? Now it gets a little more real, right? We're kind of like, yeah, obviously, right? I mean, to, to say, are you suffering stress is basically to say, do you have a job? Do you have a family? Do you have a life? Do you have relationships? Do you try to live on a budget? Are you talking to people? Do you own a home? Right? Is the Pope Catholic? Yes. The answer to all of those things is yes. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, 
maybe this is a little, little too much information, but I'll just tell you the truth. I was, uh, I was in a season where I was just thinking about a lot and processing a lot, and God's doing a lot of things in our, our church, and, and I, I was like, man, I'm stressed about a lot of things. And I was like, I'm going to make a list of the things I'm stressed about, and it'll kind of put them in perspective. And, and so I was like, I got out my notes on my phone, because that's what cool people do, right? You don't handwrite anything anymore. And so I was like, let's make Mark's stress list. And I started writing things down. I was like, well, there's this one. Oh, I forgot about that thing. I kind of just pushed that to the back. And I started writing down things I was stressed about, and I got to 14 things. And then I made a 15th one that said, this list is stressing me out, right? Because sometimes we're just aware of all the things that are on our mind and on our heart. And so James is, is saying that. He's saying, are you suffering hardships? Yes. And what does he say? He makes his point pretty clear when he says, you should pray. Pretty obvious. But on top of that, he, he continues and says, hey, are, are any of you happy? And then he says this. He says that even when you're happy, you should pray. You should sing to God. Happiness is typically the, the opposite of stress. And we think like, okay, it's one thing to talk to God when I'm stressed, but when I'm happy, I shouldn't. James is saying, listen, when you're happy, you start to take it easy. You start to let down your guard. You start to give in to temptation. And so you should be praying when things are good, when things are bad. Communion with God, communication with God, talking to God is the goal for all areas of life all the time. At the very foundation of who we are as followers of Jesus, at the very foundation of this life that he's called us to live on mission, we're being told this, that we must be dependent on God. We're being told that prayer is necessary. Prayer is not what we should do. Prayer is what we must do. Prayer is necessary. And so if we want to walk with God, we have to talk with God. Prayer is necessary. On top of that, James continues this in verse 14. He says, are any of you sick? And this uh, changed because he's not just talking about stress anymore. He kind of switches up verbs on us here. And so I want to take a little rabbit trail here together. And this verb that James is talking about, he's actually talking about a, a serious sickness or a condition. He's talking about someone who's deathly ill. In fact, there's other times this verb was used in the Bible. And honestly, most of the time, those people passed away. And so this verb is a serious one. In fact, verse 15 kind of seems to refer to a prognosis where things aren't getting better and things are heading in a bad direction. And so just to, to explain this, in our modern context, I think maybe we would often communicate this as, as something like cancer, something where we can understand the weightiness of this and the context. And so what should that person do? Well, James says very clearly, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. We're being told that on their own initiative, this person who has this serious sickness should contact the elders of their church and ask to be prayed over. This person is being asked to reach out to the elders of their church on their own initiative. The elders aren't supposed to contact them or reach out to them. The elders aren't supposed to approach them with the idea, this person is supposed to say, listen, I'm in this situation, and I'm going to follow God's plan. Many times when we're in need, many times when we're worried, when things aren't going great, we're often tempted to think like, all right, I'm going to handle this on my own. I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to get serious. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to handle this. 
And this passage seems to be saying the opposite. Hey, you're not supposed to handle this on your own. You're supposed to do something that feels a little out of the ordinary. You're supposed to depend on God's plan. You're supposed to approach other people. You're supposed to take initiative. And so God is asking us to step out and do this in faith, to trust Him, to trust His people, to trust His process. And the elders are asked to anoint this person with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I don't know how your week or your summer has been. My guess is that not many people here have been anointed with oil in the name of the Lord this summer, right? This is not something that we uh, often talk about, maybe not something that we typically think of. And so if someone were to show up at your house and say, hey, I got a jar of olive oil, can we just put some right there and maybe we'll pray over you? You'd be like, that's a little different than a typical Tuesday in, in July. In fact, uh, people have kind of clouded this verse through the years. There have been groups of, of faith that have said, like, hey, only people that have the gift of healing can do that, or only people uh, who are really, 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 really sick and about to die can do that. And some traditions have just made it sound like this is something... That, that shouldn't happen. And yet James is saying this should be a regular occurrence if you're facing distress and as people are facing illness. And so God asks us to, to trust Him in this process even though this process probably doesn't make sense. So the, the person calls on the elders. The elders will come to their house. They'll anoint them with oil and they will pray over them. You've got to keep in mind all of the, the ways that Jesus healed people in the New Testament. Right? I mean, uh, Jesus would do things that required trust and yet didn't really make sense. There was a time that Jesus spit in some dirt and made mud and rubbed it on a guy's eyes, and that happened. There was uh, times he would put his fingers in people's ears and, and they'd be able to hear. He spoke to a guy that hadn't been able to walk, and he was like, Hey, guy that can't walk, get up. Right? These, these all seem pretty out of the ordinary when we look at them. There were times that Jesus would touch people and heal them. There were times that they touched Him and it, they were healed. And there's even a, a couple times where Jesus wasn't with someone, but He said, like, hey, the person you're asking me about, they're back home and they're healed. Go home. And all of these ways that people are healed point to this common thread of trust and faith. And so we do what God asks us to do. We get oil and we anoint people, not because it makes sense, but because God is asking us to be obedient and God is asking us to trust Him. Verse 15 says, Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. We know this, but faithful prayer calls on God to do the work of healing. And this prayer in faith offers the belief that God keeps His promises and accomplishes His will. And so as we do this, we are trusting that our God can heal. But we're American. We're modern. We like to cite stories where maybe that didn't happen. So what about the times when people were anointed or people are prayed over or our best of intentions were that someone would be made better and they, they weren't? Well, James isn't offering up any promises that Jesus himself didn't make. In fact, in Matthew 21, Jesus said, All things you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. And so the context and the way that we need to understand this passage is this. We need to understand the implica implications of believing and faith. Our understanding of this passage has to take into the account all of Scripture and the wisdom of Scripture. In fact, a couple of weeks ago in James 4, we talked about this passage. I want to read it to you again. It says, Look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? 
Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. There's a passage in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 that reminds us that if we're in the, the mind of Christ, we should be praying for God's will and understanding that God wants us to want His will. And so Scripture and history are very clear that our God is great, that our God can heal people. But we also have many examples of times that God allowed suffering and even death to accomplish His will. And we may not always understand His will, But that's the truth that we're up against. God does answer prayer, and He does restore the sick. Sometimes by prayer alone, sometimes as people are anointed with oil, sometimes through medicine or surgery or other techniques or a combination of all of the above, but God has the ability to do that, and God has the ability to accomplish His will in other ways, and so our prayers that we make in faith must accept that God has revealed His sovereign will, and we have to trust Him and follow Him in that. We need to know that sometimes a person going through tough circumstances can be healed and made well, and it may not fit our earthly definition of being healed and made well. The verse goes on to say this, and if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Wait. Well, I just kind of sprinkle that on there right at the end, right? It goes on to say this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, James is kind of laying this foundation. These verses flow together. He's saying that when your attention is on God, when your focus is on God, when you're talking to Him in faith, you should be confessing to Him if there are things in your life that are in your relationship with Him that may be blocking things or ruining things. And so before you pray, before you call on the elders, before you go to Him in confession, asking Him to do something in faith, you might be asked, is there anything in your life that you want to confess? Is there something in your life that's holding you back in your relationship with Jesus. See, James had already established that we all sin, that we all need prayer when he asked those rhetorical questions up front. And so it's usually not a a question of if we need to confess something, but what we need to confess and how we're going to confess it. Now, I'm not saying that we get sick because of our sin. In fact, Jesus handled that in a story in Scripture where people said, like, hey, is this guy, is this guy lame because, because his parents sinned or because he sinned? And Jesus said, no. Right? So you're not going to get sick if you, if you lie to someone, if you cheat on your taxes, right? We're, we're not saying that. And yet there are moments that people are so owned by their sin, so distressed by their sin, that it can make them physically ill. And there are consequences to sin that can affect us. And so part of this process of looking to God in faith, part of this process of coming clean and restoring our relationship with Him is simply that, just saying, is there something in your life that needs confessed? We're told the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. James has told us that prayer is necessary, and now he's telling us in all of these ways that we may not understand in faith, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Here's how this passage ends. It says this, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. These verses are are pointing back to this story from 1 Kings. 
Elijah was a prophet whose job was to keep the people's eyes on God. He was supposed to keep everyone focused. And there was a, a king named King Ahab that started having Israel worship pagan gods. And so... Elijah went to him and said, hey, that's not a great idea. You shouldn't do that. In fact, he started praying that a drought would come over the land and get their attention. And he told the king that this would happen. And so Elijah was praying for this. This drought went into effect, and Elijah went into hiding for three and a half years. And then the Lord said, you can come out of hiding. I want you to go and talk to the king. And Elijah bravely went to him and said, hey, uh, you guys have been praying to these fake gods, and I've been praying to the real God. Why don't we all have our gods meet us up on top of Mount Carmel for a contest to see whose God was real? And so these fake prophets showed up and prayed to their fake God and tried to call down fire from heaven, and nothing happened. And then Elijah said, you're about to see what my God's going to do. And so he took this altar and dumped water on it. And then he dug a motor on it and dumped some more water on it. And then he called on God to show up and show them his power and show them what he was capable of and show them what he could do. And fire came down and consumed this altar and consumed the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the soil and the water and everything. God showed up in a powerful way and made his point. And after this miracle, the drought came to an end. Rain showed up. And so James is, is reminding everyone of that story that Jewish people would have known. They would have known that story. That would have been in their folklore. They would have said like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a really good thing. He's saying, do not forget that prayer is necessary. And do not forget that prayer is powerful because your God is powerful. Not just that, but... When we're calling on droughts and we're calling down fire from heaven, we're being told and we're being reminded that prayer is effective. Prayer is effective. Sometimes we need reminded of the most simple truth because if, if I would have met everyone at the door today and I would have said, hey, we're going to be talking about prayer. Do you know that prayer is necessary? I can't imagine that too many people in here would have been like, that is a terrible thing to say, Mark. Or if I would have said, hey, do you know that prayer is powerful? You would have been like, nope, nope, not going to have that today. Prayer is effective? Ooh, really? You're going to get on stage and say that? Like the Israelites that were being reminded of their past and of these stories and of the things that God has done, we sometimes need reminded. I don't know if you know this. This isn't a church building throughout the week. It's a YMCA. You guys know that? Yeah, you're probably aware of that. Yeah. So sometimes, when I'm feeling a little uh, frumpy, we'll say, I like to come here and work out, right? Sometimes I do cardio, sometimes I, I do lifting. I think I've shared this with you before, but I have um, something that has marked my whole life as I've tried to lift weights, something that I'm not proud of, something that I can't explain, but it's just something that happens. Uh, when I lift weights, when I do push-ups, I sometimes forget to breathe, and so you can imagine you get 7, 8, 10, 15 push-ups in, breathing, pretty important. And sometimes it will occur to me as I'm doing a push-up, I'm like, what? Something's missing here. What? Oh, I know. I should be breathing. That's right. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm, I'm right through that wall right up there, and I'll, I'll be benching, and I'll, I'll, I'll get like two and three reps in. I'm like, this is harder than I thought it would be. And then I think, oh, oxygen, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you were to ask me, hey, Mark, do you know that breathing is necessary? I'd be like, yeah, duh, right? Mark, do you know that breathing is powerful? Yeah, yeah, I know that. I've been breathing for a long time. 
If you would ask me, Mark, do you know that breathing is effective? It really helps you live and do things like living, right? I would say, yes, of course. I know the power of breathing, and I know the effectiveness of breathing. And yet there are moments in my life, moments in my schedule, moments in my function, that I just flat out forget to do it. And I could blame it on someone. I could say it's not a huge deal, and I always remember to breathe again. Or I could just say, yeah, I need to, I need to breathe. Prayer is a lot like breathing. It's something that should be a part of our life. We breathe in, we breathe out. And we're just regularly accessing oxygen and, and breathing, and it's part of who we are. But often our prayer lives kind of look like life support, right? We get stressed, and we get to the end of ourselves, and we get to a place where we're like, man, what am I going to do? And then we think, oh, oh, I only have one resort left. Now I'm going to remember it. I should pray. We can't let our prayer lives look like life support. We need to let our, our schedule and our function tell us that prayer is necessary. And prayer is powerful and prayer is effective. And we have to live in a way that says that. Because God has called us to be in relationship with Him. God has called us to live on mission for Him. And there are going to be moments that we're stressed. And there are going to be moments that are great. And we can't forget who we're living for or who we're serving. We have to stay in communication with our God. We have to stay in communication with the one who made us, the one who calls us, the one who wants our hearts and our minds and our eyes on him, the one who wants us dependent on him, wants to hear from us. If I had to boil everything I've said down into one line, a big idea for today, I would say this. I would say prayer changes things. And that's a phrase that a, a friend of mine used to say. When I, when I started out in, in ministry, I was the new guy, and I uh, showed up thinking I'd have an office, and they're like, you don't get an office. Pastor Ed's not done with your office yet. And I was like, who is Pastor Ed? Well, here, here's Pastor Ed. I want to show you guys a, a picture of my friend, Pastor Ed. This is, this is Pastor Ed. He was, uh, he was in his 80s when I started in ministry. I think he passed away a couple years ago when he was 92. And he was a, a man who had, who had uh, played a high school football game on Friday and then joined the Marine Corps on Monday. Didn't finish high school, but went to, to serve in World War II. And then when he got out of World War II, became a, a state trooper for a while and then decided that he wanted to be a church planner. And so he planted churches in Florida and Alaska and all these different places. And if you're already not impressed that he fought in a war, that he let people shoot at him for fun as a state trooper, right? Be impressed by this. He became a church planner and didn't have a salary. So they were like, hey, we want you to go plant churches in Alaska, but we can't pay you. So he would go up and work on these fishing boats, honestly, exactly like the show Deadliest Catch. He would work for like 30, 60 days and make enough money to have a salary for the whole year. And then the other 10 months out of the year, he would plant a church. And he would tell me these times where, where his family wouldn't have food and they would just pray for food. And the, the sheriff would call him and be like, hey, someone just hit a moose out on the highway. Would your family like to eat that moose? And he'd be like, yeah, bring it on over. This, this guy was my example of of the power of prayer and the effectiveness of prayer and what a life bathed in prayer could look like. 
And so you can see that picture there of him flexing his muscle. A couple years ago when we were sending out uh, Three Creeks Church and, and Joel Trainer was going to be our church planner, I said, you're not allowed to plant a church in our family and, until you go and get Pastor Ed's approval. And see, we went over to his, uh, his place and uh, he gave, he gave uh, Joel one of his books and he said, hey, why don't we take a picture? And I didn't tell him to do this. He just flexed his muscle, right? I think he was kind of sending a message, right? He was, he was telling us, like, you young whippersnappers aren't that cool yet. I can, I can still take you, right? And so that's, that's Pastor Ed. And there was one phrase that he would always say over and over and over and over again. He would say, prayer changes things. And the first time I heard him say that, I'm like, what do you mean by things? Do you mean, like, circumstances? Do you mean outcomes? Do you mean people? Yes, prayer changes things. Sometimes we're asking God to change circumstances. And sometimes we're asking God to change outcomes. And sometimes we're asking God to change the hearts of people. And sometimes, whether we know it or not, we're asking God to change us. And so I think of all the things that James could give as his closing instructions to this book, the most powerful thing that he could do is remind us that our lives must be dependent on God. And our lives must be pointed to God. And if we're going to say that we're dependent on God, if we're going to say that we're pointed to God, we have to be talking to God. We can't wait till we need life support. We need to talk to God when times are good. We can't wait till things are really bad or till we're not sure what's going to go on or till we're so stressed out that we have no other option. We need to talk to God all the time because God reveals His will to us in prayer. God reminds us of His character in prayer. God asks us to do things in prayer and God changes us in prayer because prayer changes things. Prayer changes things because God changes things. And so praying in faith, praying in obedience, praying in dependence is not to just glorify us talking for no reason. It's to remind us that everything we have is due to God. And everything we know is because of God. And everything that we should attain to, everything that we want to see happen, should be things that are in God's will. Prayer changes things. When you're stressed, prayer changes things. When you're happy, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And James was reminding the church of that because he knew that, that we forget. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you aware that God changes things? Are you aware that prayer changes things? How have you been ignoring prayer, neglecting prayer? And maybe by default, ignoring God or neglecting God. The change to that, the, the response to that is not rocket science. It's simply this. God sent His Son, Jesus, so that we could know Him, so that we could have a relationship with Him, so that we could talk to Him, so that we would have a connection to Him. And we have an open line of communication and prayer to Him. And so what do you need to take to God? What thing that's stressing you out do you need to take to God? What thing that's making you happy do you need to praise God for? What's going on in your family, your career, your relationships, the building of your family? What's going on in your life that you need to take to God? Because we want to be a church that's dependent on God. 
And so we want to be a church that's dependent on prayer. We want to be a church that, that lives out the fact that prayer changes things. My goal this morning is not to make us feel guilty. My goal is to call us to prayer. And so as we end our service, as we get to sing, as we respond, I want, I want us to just talk to God. If you've never talked to God, you can talk to God. If you haven't talked to God in a while, you can talk to God. If you don't feel like you've talked to God enough, you can talk to God. And if you want someone to pray with you, we have a prayer area back here. You can go there and you can say, listen, this is going on in my life. This is stressing me out. Can someone please pray with me or, or pray for me? You can also pray to God right where you are and lift things up to Him. Because prayer is necessary. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is effective. And prayer changes things. So let's bow our heads and talk to God together. God, thank you for sending your Son and giving us the ability to talk to you, to bring our concerns, to bring our stress, to bring our everything to you. Lord, thank you for changing eternity and changing us. God, I pray this morning that, that we are just reminded that you are our oxygen. That we should be breathing in and breathing out and being in communion with you at all times, Lord. We don't have to wait till we need life support or till we're on life support. Lord, help us to bring things to you. Help us to celebrate in you. Help us to find joy in you. Help us to talk to you. God, let us be a church that rests in you, that talks to you, that's in communion with you because we believe and we know and we trust that you change things. God, let us respond by just resting, being dependent, and talking to you now. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.